0: DraftKings at Casino Queens Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook for a reason. They offer nearly limitless ways to bet from live betting to prop betting. They got it all, DraftKings. The official sports betting operator of the Chicago Cubs is bringing you close to the action this week with a 50% boost on your winnings on any baseball bet placed. Taking advantage of this profit boost is easy. All you got to do is place a bet on any baseball game. And if that bet hits DraftKings at Casino Queens Sportsbook, will give you a 50% boost. It's not just for baseball. It's for basketball, it is for tennis, it is for horse racing, whatever your sport, including soccer. If you are into sports betting and you say, hey, I've really never tried this before, I would say just download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app. Find out if it's for you. I know it's the one place that I go. I never, ever endorse something I don't believe in. And DraftKings is something I do believe in. Taking advantage of this profit boost on the baseball side is easy. All you got to do is place a bet on a baseball game. And if that bet hits DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook, will give you a 50% boost. So, head to the top rated DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app and claim your 50% profit boost. Place any baseball bet that bet wins. DraftKings will boost your winnings by an additional 50%. So, as I mentioned, for other sports, especially the NBA playoffs, it's right for me. It's been very good to me. So, check out DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I am a big fan. And we welcome you to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Brought to you by the aforementioned DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. I am Jonathan Hood, and basketball is Hood. I couldn't even wait for the Open. I just want to jump right in and talk about these NBA playoffs. We're going to have Andre Snellings on the program. Andre's been a frequent guest on this podcast and on my radio shows in the past. Covers the NBA for ESPN, especially from an analytics and fantasy standpoint, uh, but has a keen eye when it comes to these NBA playoffs. He's been an analyst on ESPN Radio during uh, these playoffs, so looking forward to talking to Andre about what's been going on. So let me give Chris Paul his flowers. Chris Paul deserves his flowers because the Suns and Chris Paul swept the Denver Nuggets. For the series, Chris Paul had 25.5 points a game, 61% shooting, 58% from three, 100% perfect from the foul line, 41 assists and five turnovers. It's the most points that he scored. The 37 points he had Sunday night against the Nuggets, 37 points, 7 assists, 14 for 19 from the foul line. Bro, he had the most points in an appearance since 2018. He is a special player. We've always known this. But Chris Paul now is going to be in a different stratosphere on his way to the Western Conference Finals. I want you to think about all the point guards that you've ever seen, the great ones. You've seen good ones, but you've seen great ones as well, just like I have, right? You think about the Magic Johnsons and the Steph Currys and Isaiah Thomas and Oscar Robertson and John Stockton and Walt Fla- Frazier and and uh, Bob Cousy and Steve Nash, A.I., Gary Payton, and there's no question that Chris Paul's in that conversation as well. I respect that man because he has played a long time. Through the first four or five years of his career, you could say he was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. He is a Hall of Famer. But there's nothing like solidifying your career with a ring. And I'm not saying the Suns are winning the championship, but I will tell you that it's been a great story. Everything that Monty Williams has gone through personally with his life and his family, and for him to be able to get this head coaching job, he seems like he's the right coach for Chris Paul. These two were together in New Orleans once upon a time. And we kind of knew, but it was solidified that Chris Paul was a guy that was really headstrong and believed that his way was right. And some of the best ever to play always feel that they are right. And Monty Williams and Chris Paul had a clash when they were in New Orleans. You see them now, and it just seems like it's working perfectly. Devin Booker was always a good player. But when he's teamed with Chris Paul in that backcourt, it makes it even better. And just keep in mind that this is Suns team that swept the MVP in Jokic and the rest of the Denver Nuggets. So let's hear from Chris Paul. We'll hear from a number of people that are in this series, but a sweep for the Suns. I mean, it is uh, really remarkable to see what's happening with this Suns team. How, to me, there's so many weapons five, six weapons that are go-to guys for Monty Williams' son's team. But I just want to make sure that Chris Paul gets his due, flowers for him, because we talk about all the all-time greats. Chris Paul's in that conversation with the ones I mentioned. And even though his legacy, I think, is, is set, nothing like having a championship along with it, right? So let's hear from Chris Paul because a lot of people are writing him off, and here he is, an opportunity to get to the finals.
1: God is good. I tell you, man. It's a tough team over there. With Joker, without him, they well coach, they play hard, they compete. And we knew once Joker went out, that was just going to open the door for a lot of other guys. So we just tried to stay the course.
2: Over well, these last couple of games, offensively, you took it up to another notch. And particularly with that mid range game. How important is the mid range game still in the game of the that's important
1: to me. You know, some years ago, uh, when I played with the Clippers, the whole league went to this drop defense. You know what I mean? And I was like, if that's what y'all going to give up, I'm going to try to perfect it. You know? But it's not about that. I, 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 I'm, I'm so grateful to my family, my team. A couple years ago, they was write me off, you can't do this, and this ain't about me, it's about us. Show you what you can do when you come together as a team. We got a great team over there, and it's a lot of, a lot of fun to be a part of it. You're
2: going to await the winner between the Clippers and the Jazz, but in the meantime, C.P., What are the expectations of this team? What is the ceiling of this team this season?
1: We're just going to keep playing hard. You know, you never know what the future holds. We're going to keep playing hard. Now we're going to get some rest, (laughs) some much-needed rest. But uh, it's special, man. And these fans, we thank y'all so much, man. Seriously. Got my moms and pops here, my older brother. It's
0: all love. And, man, those Suns fans traveled, man. They traveled to see their sons get the job done in Denver. A lot of fans, it's almost like that game was in Phoenix based on the sound. Every time that the Suns would score a basket, it was loud in there uh, at the ball arena. So, the Suns move on. And you know, people are going to just rub it in, right? What about Big Perk? Kendrick Perkins from ESPN told y'all, he told y'all the Suns are going to get it done.
2: I told y'all, I told y'all look, Luther's janitorial service. Swept them people. Get the cold Get the file below And if you don't want to get back to work, look, you can get the hell out, okay? This is Luther's janitorial service. And I told y'all again, look, CP3, I don't know if it's you or Uncle Cliff or whoever it is that stay form. If y'all provide life insurance policies, okay? But that's the least you could have done for the Denver Nuggets after burying them, all right? And look, at the end of the day, I want to address all these other people out there who had a vote. And I told y'all not to get fooled by NBA 2K numbers. That's what y'all did. Instead of watching the game, the impact, the culture, the winning, just everything that CP3 brought to the table, he did the unthinkable. This team ain't been to the playoffs in 10 years. Not only did they get to the playoffs, they knocked off the defending champions, and then he went and swept the MVP that y'all voted for. Listen, one day y'all go run. I'ma keep, I'm gonna stop giving y'all free game and start sending y'all my cash up, okay? Again, Luther's janitorial service. Pull the brooms out. Carry the hell off.
0: Ah, Kendrick Perkins with the big smile, trying to rub it in like, yeah, I told y'all. Well, I tell you what, look at the resume so far in the NBA playoffs. Getting rid of the Lakers, and yes, AD was down, and yes, uh, up 3-0. Jokic gets thrown out of the game for sending a big axe handle, a big scrape across the face on campaign. He gets kicked out of the ball game, and so they go on to sweep out the Denver Nuggets as well. By the way, one side note on that. So... You know, there's a distinct difference Forever, There's a certain certain set of rules for one player versus another. And so for one player, it's Jokic. He gets thrown out of the game. That's the MVP of the league. He gets thrown out of the game. And I don't think that that play on Sunday was worth a flagrant two. It was a flagrant one in my estimation. Uh, And by the way, I'm broadcasting from uh, outside. I'm not going to be inside the crib. Um... I moved to the outside because you hear some ambulances, that is the sounds of Chicago. I'm I'm totally good with sitting uh outside uh a little bit here to hear the sounds of the south side. But the point is though, is that if that um if that is LeBron James that administers that hit to campaign Man, he doesn't get kicked out of the game, but Jokic was. And I thought that that was uh, a little bit unfair. But the game was out of reach anyway. The Suns were going to win that game. But it just shows you, even the MVP of the league, Jokic, gets thrown out of the game. And then, of course, the game's out of hand, and the Suns win. So just props and big ups to Chris Paul and the Suns. What a great story they have been. I look forward to seeing what they do in the Western Conference Finals as we see what happens. Can the Clippers come out of that? You know, We'll see. Can Utah come out of that? Donovan Mitchell... Is he going to be thumbs up or thumbs down for the next game? Uh, and the same thing with the Clippers. Too cool for school, the Clippers. Can they put themselves in the position where they can succeed and just get right and play right uh, and, and play with some aggression? It's A lot of it's the Clippers just play like, oh, we got five games. so we got seven games. So if we lose one, it's cool. I I just think they're just too relaxed out there. And I guess that's part of their success, but also I think it's part of their failure as well. How about Giannis? Through holidays.
2: Oh, beautiful beam! <laughs> and the slam from Giannis.
0: The dime delivered
2: by Drew. Making a play. Giannis with the tack. Finished at the rim.
0: Happy <laughs> holidays.
2: Nightmare. Right through the wicket. <laughs>
0: so the. Bucks have tied the series at two against Brooklyn. So the big question is always is, right? Like, so say, for instance, Harden goes down. Well, you got Irving and you've got Durant. So you're good, right? But what if Irving goes down with an ankle injury and questionable for the next game? And it's Kevin Durant and the others. How will that work? Uh, Not too well. Not too well, as we saw on Sunday, as Brooklyn now and Milwaukee are tied at two. Here's what we do know, is that we will be two more games in Brooklyn and at least one more game at Five Serve Forum in Milwaukee. We will see how this develops. I think there is going to be at least one more game in Milwaukee. This might go the distance, who knows. But a couple things with this. Once again, I'm watching Brooklyn and... When Kevin Durant's out there as the lethal scorer, you see how far away from the basket he is? Give credit to the defense for the Milwaukee Bucks to push the Durant all the way to the top of the key so he can't be able to drive the basket or he can't launch a three. I thought the defensive presence for Milwaukee was really, really good. I thought it was excellent uh, on Sunday. So will Kyrie be available to play? If he does play, does that make a difference? Again, James Harden, who knows when he's going to come back in this series or not. But once again, you look at this team, and when you don't have the big three together, that's a problem. But also, you know, Joe Harris is a very good three-point shooter, but you're going to empower him. Other players have to be able to be involved, and it can't just be about three players. The bench is kind of weak, but the bench actually could have been playing a lot better with meaningful minutes if the big three were together, because now you play as a team. You have three mercenaries, in my view, with Irving and Durant and Harden, and they're going to try to piecemeal an opportunity to win the championship. I did not have the Nets winning the championship this year, let alone the East, because they haven't played together a long time. So, Milwaukee, it, it, it is the Middleton and Giannis show. I look at Middleton as being the guy for this team. I like him a lot. And the thing with Giannis is, and i always ask this question. Why does he shoot for three if he doesn't shoot it for a high percentage? I know it's there and it's available, and I know from an analytics standpoint, you can take that shot. He doesn't have to, though. He's one of the more dominant players from the foul line down, from the free throw line down. He's one of the more dominant players that we have in the league, but yet he tries to shoot from the outside. He's not a very good outside shooter and not very good from the foul line. It's a good team, Milwaukee, but they're developing. They're trying to be able to move forward and develop. So let me call Andre Snellis to get his thoughts on some of these matchups in the NBA playoffs, but it's been fun, that is for sure. Milwaukee tied at two with Brooklyn. You saw the Suns get some rest now as they swept the Nuggets. We'll see what happens. It's going to be fun. Let me call Andre and we'll continue our Under the Hood basketball podcast. There he is, my guy, Andre Snellings from ESPN and ESPN Radio, breaking down the NBA playoffs. Andre, as always, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is this is the place to be. Yes, Talking about the subject to talk about.
0: Man, I lo- I'm love, i loving it, man. After Listen, I thought my opinion is of the NBA regular season, we had some injuries, obviously, and it wasn't the best play across the board. Uh, but I believe that the NBA playoffs, I think, are making up for whatever – ills we had in the regular season
3: yeah i mean you know the the playoffs is always where the action happens And, and this season was going to be affected all you know it was always going to be affected by the fact that the bubble was in the fall we had very little off season and you know there was going to be some injury concerns and and we've seen that play out you know injuries have played a larger part in this playoffs than maybe to to watch the drama play out um, among those that are able to play.
0: Yeah, I think it's been a lot of fun. I- I'll ask you first. I was talk- uh, talking earlier about Chris Paul and um, his impact with this son's team as the son swept the Nuggets. Trey, uh, can you put in perspective uh, who Chris Paul is as a player? I was trying to go through some names, of great point guards all time in the NBA. So how how do you look at Chris Paul's career?
3: Oh, yeah. So... Chris Paul is one of the best point guards of all time, you know, like that, that hasn't changed. Um, he's never won a championship and I think that's affected him in some people's eyes, but way back in, I feel like it was 2008, um, because there was this four way race for the NBA MVP and it was Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, Kevin Garnett, and LeBron James. And, Back at that time, you know, it's way before ESPN, I wrote a series of articles where I broke down each one of those players by one name. You know, like Kobe was the assassin. I think KG was the heart of the Celtics. Um, and Chris Paul was the maestro. And that's what he is. He's been the maestro his whole career. He controls all the action on the court. He knows where everybody's supposed to be on both teams. He's able to conduct things like an orchestra to, to get players the shots that they want. And by doing that, he's able to get the most out of the talent around him. The Suns were a young team, a young team on the come up. But with Chris Paul coming in and really being able to teach them essentially how to win, um, we're seeing the result. And the result right now is they look like uh, very possibly the best team in the league.
0: 25 points a game, 61% shooting, 58% from, from three in that series against the Nuggets. I just want to make sure Chris Paul has his flowers because you you take a look at how he played on Sunday and then just in that series, Andre. I mean, he, I mean, he's definitely one of the all time greats. But I think it, being in this position, especially late in his career, it's it just is the cherry on top of his uh, of his career, especially if there's the finals or maybe a championship that's coming to him.
3: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, and and you know, Chris Paul. And the Suns are, are a team, are, are a player and a team that I've really wanted to get their props. Um, I've done, I did a couple articles on the undefeated, um, back in April and like the start of May. One of them was literally called, don't sleep on the Suns. Mm-hmm. And this was the one in April. It was talking about how they very well could be the best team in the West. I felt like if the Lakers were healthy, you had to kind of pick them. They'd earn that as the champs. But outside of the Lakers, I thought the Suns were as good or better. Than anyone else, including the Jazz, who have been the number one team all season. So, and when it came to Chris Paul, mm-hmm. you know, in a follow-up article right after Westbrook broke the the triple-double record, I wrote an article about three again on the undefeated about three point guards: Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and Steph Curry. And I compared to them to historical figures, but I compared them to historical big men. It was a different, you know, a different angle. Like we always get the the, the little men uh, comps. Um, I compared Westbrook to Wilt you know, I, compared, um, Steph Curry to Bill Russell, um, in very specific ways. And I compare Chris Paul to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the sense that he's been an excellent two-way player for a really long time. Like, Kareem not only does, is the scoring record, but you know, he, he's, he was on the all-defense team a lot of times. And so is Chris Paul. Like, coming into this season, I think he'd been on the all-defense nine times and he has been all-NBA nine times. Like, Outside of big men, you very rarely see that type of balance. And so Chris Paul has been that dude for a really long time. And yeah, if he's able to get this son's team to the promised land, people are going to talk about his career in a different way. Um, I feel like I've known who he is for a long time. But if he gets that ring, he's going to be in, in conversations that he wasn't necessarily in before.
0: So what's the scuttlebutt you're hearing from Michael Malone? And please call him Michael, by the way. He doesn't like called Mike. Um <laughs> Dude, whatever. Anyway, so, so the Nuggets fall short clearly in this series against the Suns. Have you heard the same thing I've heard, Andre, regarding, uh, changes with the Nuggets in some way, shape or form? Cause to me, it's just about injuries and staying healthy. I'm not saying the Nuggets, if they were in full strength, would have been able to beat the Suns, but is there, a, is it necessary for the Nuggets to have wholesale changes?
3: I don't think it is. Um, for the reason that you pointed out, like, um, health is is the key right after jamal murray went down we know we knew that there was a ceiling on how good the nuggets could be and i think the the trade that brought in aaron gordon kind of helped them maintain he kind of uh gave them another dimension along with obviously the mvp Nikola Jokic, and then michael porter jr uh picked up the scoring slack for murray and so in the regular season they didn't dip much and they were still able to hand handle a pretty solid trailblazer team in the first round but, you know, eventually you have to pay the piper. And so um, and especially once Porter started having some reported back issues and he wasn't able to be at his best, there was just not much. I don't think that they could have done against the Suns this round this year. But next year, presuming that, that, that Murray comes back, Porter comes back and, and he's a year better. Um, they, they have all the upside in the world as a team. As far as Michael, um, Michael, let me make sure I say that alone, um, I think if, if anything, he could have gotten in trouble a little bit with how hard he was going against his team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just publicly talking about, you know, they're soft and they're, you know, they didn't come to play. And, I, I you know, I peeped his game the first time he did that against the Trailblazers. It was like a motivating tactic. And they came out the next game and, and it worked. So that was great. But then Against the Suns, it was just consistent. After every game, it felt like he was just you know down on the team. And at, at some point, I feel like Jokic and some of the other players kind of responded to him publicly. Like Jokic, I, I did not quit. I did not give up. And you know, there's a slippery slope when trying to do that that type of thing as a coach. Um, you would hope that that you know that they have a strong locker room and the players knew where he was going with it and they were on the same page. But if there were any chink in the armor, that's where I would be looking. But other than that, I feel like the Nuggets are just, you know, they should be on the way up. So I, I wouldn't feel that any type of change was, you know, was necessary.
0: So with the Nets and the Bucks, it's tied to two. And, you know, the, my storyline was, OK, so you got the big three trying to get it together. If one person goes down out of the big three, you still have two. If two go down, do you have one in KD? That was trouble yesterday when when uh, Kyrie went out and it was KD and that's and from a, a I guess from a technical standpoint Dre when I saw Durant 28 feet from the basket and the great defense from the Bucks and, and the inability for KD to be able to go to the basket or not or knock down threes it was a tough road for him because it's him and then everybody else in the Bucks uh, on the net. so what's, what stood out most about that game on Sunday.
3: Yeah, so, um, first of all, I would start off with that the Nets are still a really dangerous team. Um, because KD, I mean, he's an easy money sniper, right? So yeah. he, he can, you would expect that he should be able to put up points under most circumstances. The question is, how is the rest of the team going to perform? And, you know, you look at on that team, Harden was the point guard, even though Kyrie plays point, Harden was the point guard. Well, he went down immediately. And so even in those first two games, Kyrie and and KD were able to uh, break down the defense enough that the other guys, you know, were, were able to to knock down their shots. You started seeing Blake Griffin looking like you know he'd been drinking, uh, I don't know, the water out the hot tub time machine. All of a sudden, he was dunking <laughs> on people and, yeah. and, and, and 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 hitting threes like like got your eye threes off the dribble. You know um, that did you haven't really seen him from him. So and then you know of course Joe Harris. Uh, he's always going to be dangerous and you know i was tweeting in the first game about mike james that dude ain't never scared like he just came straight in the game just pulling up so you know landry shammett like they have guys on the team that can still produce enough to be dangerous if they're confident and if they're able to play off of durant if durant just draws all of the attention but the thing is durant has always been a finisher he's not an offense creator typically um at least not in any kind of high volume for his teammates. So that's going to be the question is he able to do that? Is he able to create enough offense and can the other guys get enough confidence that that they're still able to put points on the board? If so, they can still, you know, they can still win this. This games at home and uh one or the other of their guys could be coming back before the series is over if it goes long enough. So um but as far as yesterday's game, uh what I noticed with the Bucks is that, and honestly, I picked the Bucks coming into this. I picked them to beat the Nets in this series. So did I. In part, say what? So did I. Oh, see, I didn't know that. But but yeah, I mean, in, in large part, the same way I wrote that article about the Suns, I wrote an article about the Bucks in the regular season claiming they might be the best team in the NBA because they've been playing at such a high level in the regular season in the last few years, but I thought they had two very obvious Achilles heels. One was that... that um, Giannis was over relied upon on offense. Um, and, and that, that if you faced a certain kind of team, uh, like the Raptors in 19, like the Heat last season, they were able to, they had the personnel to wall him away from the rim. And there wasn't a, a dynamic enough backcourt presence to take advantage, uh, of it when, when, when Giannis was walled off. And then on defense, they, they hardly ever switched. They, they played it, you know, very straight up traditional style with big men in the middle, interior out. And, and teams could get hot from three against them. And so I thought they had plugged those holes with Drew Holiday, with PJ Tucker, um, with at the time, Dante DiVincenzo. And so, you know, I thought they were ready to, to play at the big time. But then the, when the series started, those first two games, they didn't play anything like, like they've been playing all season. And I know that DiVincenzo injury, um, was kind of underrated um, because he's not a household name, but he was an important cog on that team. But I felt like the, the, maybe there were mistakes made in replacing him. Like P.J. Tucker, I love what he brings, but I liked him in the rotation coming off the bench, you know, uh, coming in for Brooke Lopez and providing a different look. When they brought him into the starting lineup, that meant that, they no longer had that dynamic backcourt presence, and it, I felt like it made them easier to defend and that that's why the Nets were really able to shut them down early. Um, so now, uh, hopefully, they seem to have woke up a little bit after maybe having a tight first few games, but they're still not you know running as smoothly as is i think they need to run on offense and so all of that being said i feel like this is still a series i feel like you know the 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 nets still have the the talent to 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 make this very difficult but that if the bucks are serious and they really think they can win a championship they need to win this game game five and go ahead and uh uh You know, put this out of reach.
0: I need your help though when it comes to Giannis Dre because I want your perspective on this. So I'm watching. I've I've watched Giannis uh, a ton in the regular season and definitely in these playoffs. And I just see a guy that from the foul line down, it's hard to stop him. I mean, look at the strength, Mm -hmm. the ability to go to the basket. And I'm there. There has to be an analytics reason why he shoots the rainbow three. Now again, (laughs) not not great from the foul line and not great from three. And I'm thinking, man, if you just go to the basket, I understand the value you, but I'm just saying that from a higher percentage, but you look at the numbers, I know it's hard to stop that guy. And, and so, yeah. why, does he, why does he shoot that shot? Here's one thing we know. Like, Giannis is not Durant. Like, Durant can shoot the three. He can shoot from the outside and also be able to go to the basket. So, that's my confounding question mark regarding Giannis on why he continues to try to shoot from the outside, because he is a, a monster inside.
3: Yeah, I think part of the problem is, whether it's from external or Giannis himself, there's a push to make him be Kevin Durant or LeBron James, whereas he's not. He's like Shaq and maybe Tim Duncan or Kevin Garnett had a baby, you know? Um, Maybe maybe Garnett, because uh, Garnett did have the perimeter skills. Uh, He's a better shooter than Giannis, but, you know, Garnett, you could run the offense through him out top. And I think that in today's NBA, there's this push to make, you know, it's a perimeter oriented league and Giannis can handle the ball. So that's his best use. That's not his best usage. Um, a few years ago, uh, back when he was winning most improved player, like well before he won that MVP, um, I wrote an article that was kind of paralleling him and LeBron James, um, about a decade apart. And it was pointing out how, you know, uh, You mentioned analytics, how Giannis's analytics in 2016, 17, and 18 looked a lot like LeBron's in 2006, 7, and 8. And so one of the focuses, foci? (laughs) One of of the points of the article... (laughs) Focacai. The
0: the focacai.
3: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm, going to just change the word. But um, (laughs) one of the points of the article was that that Giannis was ready to take over the East the same way that LeBron did. Right. and, and that, you know, uh, LeBron won his first MVP in 2009 and 2010. In that article, I predicted that Giannis was going to win MVP in 2019 and, and, and set off, you know, uh, a chain reaction. And, and he did. He won 2019 and 2020. But the punchline of the article was he can't be LeBron playing like LeBron. That he had to be LeBron big as opposed to LeBron little you know he had to play more like a center he had to uh be a defensive anchor uh in the interior he had to finish more around the rim because he was never going to have the perimeter skills that LeBron has and I feel like at times the Bucks or Giannis himself have gone the opposite direction of that they said okay the team struggles with a wall so instead of saying we'll break the wall by letting Giannis move off the ball They've said, we'll break the wall by giving the ball to Giannis and making him into Kevin Durant. And that, that's not his skill set. And I feel like they, they fell back into that trap early in this series. Whereas yesterday he scored 26 points in the paint, which was, you know, tied his career high in the playoffs. And that's where he needs to be. If he could play off the ball and let Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, I've said this on a couple of places. I'll say it here too. I would start Bren Forbes instead of PJ Tucker, um, because he's a, a long range sniper, a perimeter player. Let 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 you know. Let that first unit offense get into a rhythm early with Giannis playing off the ball, and then bring PJ in to make life miserable for Kevin Durant. Um, uh, starting with the second unit, and he can be in the finishing unit. You know, if it's going like that, but I think they really need to move Giannis off the ball and and let the the, the offense be more dynamic.
0: Okay, uh, qu- a couple of quick hitters with uh, Monday night's games. Uh, so uh, let me start with the Jazz and the Clippers because. The Clippers, let me check this. Clippers are a five-point favorite on DraftKings. So, you know what the Clippers are, Dre? The Clippers are is that dude in class that, like, you got to be in class at 830. And here come the Clippers, 829.50. Just dragging in with their book bag like, yo, I'm here. But you, you, you were there on time, but just barely. The Clippers are so cool, man. It's just like, you know what? We got seven games, so if we lose one or two, it's good. I, I don't understand how you'd be so talented, but yet so lax. If there was ever an embodiment of lack of, of, of real leadership, I'm talking about from the players, that's it right there. Paul George and with Kawhi Leonard just like, dude, I made it to class, but it was 10 seconds before the bell. That's how. That's who, how the Clippers appear to me.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, that there's a lot of evidence to support your point. Like they're they seem to be making an art form out of falling behind two games to none, and then trying to come back. Um, and and yeah, so you, you mentioned they're five point favorites um, for, for for the next game. They were four and a half points favorites last game, and I thought the Clippers would win, but I thought four and a half might be too much because you know the Jazz are a really good team. And it turns out, no, you know, four and a half wasn't nearly enough points. Yeah. So if, you know, to go with your analogy, if the Clippers are locked in and, you know, they got the class 10 seconds beforehand, but they, the, the reason they were so cool is because they know they're going to ace the test, then, you know, five points might not be enough, especially with the health of the Jazz backcourt. Um, Conley is listed, as, Mike Conley, the point guard is listed as questionable for, for, for game four. Um, the the Jazz have missed him. They they've missed him a lot this series, mm-hmm. and the only reason that we don't realize it is because Donovan Mitchell has been drinking his Mike like like Mike juice. You know, right. like he's been playing at such a high level that it masked the fact that the Conley and his ability to create offense for his teammates has been sorely missed. And I, I mean, I did the the numbers in games one and three. All of the Jazz not named Mitchell had shot like 37% from the field or something. I mean, like, like they really missed Connolly being able to set the table for him. So if he's able to return, maybe things change a little bit. Um, we don't know about Mitchell's ankle. He says he's fine. Uh, he, you know, he tweaked it late last game and left and didn't come back. If he's slowed a little bit, um, and Connolly is out, then that could be trouble for the Jazz. That, that, that could be another. Uh, ace of a test from this Clippers team. But if Conley and Mitchell are both able to go and go at a pretty high level, then the Clippers better be focused that day. You know, 10 yeah. seconds before class, they better roll in, uh, you know, having really studied the book because the, the, the Jazz, their they're starting backcourt intact is, is a different animal.
0: And don't drag your book bag. Pick your book, You pick your bag up <laughs> when you're going to class. Just so, just relaxed. No, we got five, we got five games in this series. No, we got seventy games this series. We're, we're, we're good. You, you, you mm-hmm. are. We'll see. Um, so, and also the Sixers and the and the Hawks are just a very interesting series. Philly is a three point favorite in Atlanta for this. How do you see the rest of this series going?
3: This is another one that's been a conundrum for me. You know, I went to school in Atlanta. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm I'm all about the South. Got something to say. <laughs> and, you know, when it, when it came to before this series started, there was all the talk about Embiid's knee and his meniscus and is even going to play. And so for ESPN, I actually I picked the Hawks in six because I was like, I just don't know what to expect from Embiid. And then that man came out and averaged 40 points a game mm-hmm. in Philadelphia and, and proved his knee was just fine. So I feel like the Hawks still have the talent in them. To win this game at home, they had won thirteen in a row at home against some pretty good teams, um, including in the playoffs before they 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 really got blown out uh, in Game Three. So they have the talent, they 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 have the ability, but the Sixers have just been locked in. And so um, I heard someone point out that the way they defended Embiid in Game Three really opened things up for the rest of the 76ers to come out and get hot early, and then then it was uh you know. That was just a killer once Embiid woke up in the second half. And so maybe the Hawks go back to, hey, if Embiid scores 40, you can hold everybody else down. We live with that and, 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 and try to, you know, square this series up uh, heading back to Philly for game five. But, you know, the, the Hawks are also really inexperienced. And it could be that they're taking this punch in the mouth from a contender and they're just not quite ready for it yet. If so, then I would expect to see the Sixers win another double-figure game in, in Game 4 and, um, y- you know, end it, it off before the week is over.
0: A last thing, drain I appreciate your time. I just want – I was going to talk about this on the show anyway, but I decided I want to talk to you about this, and that's regarding the Portland Trailblazers head coaching position. So, yeah. all, you know – Uh, divorce is imminent in the NBA. It just happens, right? Sometimes you just, just, your time just runs out. And for Terry Stotts and the Trailblazers, I understand. You just want to get something new and fresh in there. And Damian Lillard's always been that dude that says, I don't have to leave. You know, people know where I am. I don't need to recruit. That's cool. That's fine. Portland is just, to me, a victim of just a team that's in a stacked West. It yes, it's a good team, absolutely. But now they're looking for a new head coach, and I saw on dot com this morning that Mike D'Antoni is going to interview for that job. And I said, I said redundancy. Anybody? Anybody redundancy? <laughs> so so like Chauncey Billups, Becky Hammond, are a couple of those names that's out there for the job. What's best do you think for the Trailblazers for them to be able to get to another level?
3: Yeah. Um- I had really been thinking that, that Chauncey was the leader in the, the, the clubhouse, that um, he made a lot of sense, even though he's not, you know, he doesn't have head coaching experience, obviously. But he's one of those, I was a, a, a coach on the floor type players. He was a point guard. felt like he'd be able to kind of communicate with Lillard. Um, he was on those, those you know, <laughs> Pistons, going to work Ben Wallace Pistons. So he knows about defense, and, and that's the one area that, that Portland has been completely lacking. So I really thought he might be the leader in the clubhouse. Um, you know, uh, I was really glad to hear Becky Hammond getting getting mentioned there, too. Um, she, she, she's she got her, her pedigree as well, um, again, with teams that played a lot of defense. I feel like that's what the Trailblazers could use. Dan Tony coming in, like you said, it's it's, it's, it's a bit of redundancy. But I will say Dan Tony is, I mean, his system and as far as what it's able to do, with a dominant point guard or like this system will take a okay point guard and make him look like an all-star. It takes all stars and makes them all NBA, NBA. It takes all NBA and makes them MVPs. So if, if D'Antoni comes in, the trailblazers would be one of the most fun teams to watch. Damian Lillard might average 30 and 10, 35 and 10. I mean, you know, like it's like, that would be within the realm of possibility and quietly D'Antoni's teams, they they have a reputation for being offense only, but he 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 manages to get some solid defense in there on occasion. Um, he, he had some that Rockets team that was a Paul uh, hamstring away from potentially winning the championship. They were in the top ten in the NBA in defense. And this Nets team, we've seen them ramp up their Even though Nash is the coach, you know D'Antoni's on the bench, and we've seen them ramp up their defense in the postseason. So I can see D'Antoni being a, a, a viable possibility for at least making a very entertaining product the Antonio system still has yet to win a championship and for a coach that's going to be a mark on his resume and i don't know if that's going to be enough for dame you know dame might want more than that um but uh it, it would at least be interesting but but if i had to pick you know um uh, chauncey's my man so Cha- chauncey phillips would be the, the the person that i think might be able to 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 do the best job in portland
0: i agree with you uh and by the way another conversation you and i have to have at some point is whether or not we will see a woman as a head coach in the nba in our lifetime Uh, because when i see the names of like don staley and don staley is a a very good name in basketball circles men or women or becky hammond uh, as a conversation you and i have to have on exactly when that would be and like, and which team would be the best fit? Because if we keep seeing these names in place, that means at some point we're going to see it.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, spoiler alert. I, I definitely agree. You put it in our lifetime. I definitely agree. I, You know, my question is, like, in the next five years, I mean, I, I think it's coming. And I think you mentioned Don Staley. Like, I grew up, you know, watching hoops. Mm-hmm. And so we watched women's hoops, Cheryl Miller, um, you know, back in the UCLA days. But Don Staley was my girl she played mm-hmm. point you know I, I, I ran the point and like i thought like you know i mean of course i was a, a young <laughs> a teenage boy mm-hmm. so you know she was cute but like more than that like she had that game and so i've been loving watching her 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 coaching career and and she seems to have just as much talent as a coach as she had as a player and so um i put that all together and, and yeah you're, you're right she's an excellent name uh to be mentioned uh in, in the coaching ranks and i, I think it's happening soon
0: my man, Professor Drz, will, will you gonna still be working the NBA playoffs? I'm sure keeping your eyes on it and doing stuff for ESPN.com, correct? And the undefeated.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still writing right now. Every day, I write a best bets column um, that runs on uh, ESPN's NBA page, where we break down that particular game or, or games of the day, um, the, the the best bets, looking at uh, against the spread or over under. Um, so so we're, we're doing that every day, including over the weekend. So um, uh, that, that that's keeping me busy. And, yeah, you can always follow me at Professor Driz on Twitter and even IG. Um, most of my content ends up going through one of my social media sites as
0: well. As always, man, I appreciate your uh, thoughts about the NBA playoffs. Let's talk again soon.
3: Yes, sir. I look forward to it.
0: Good to always catch up with my guy, Andre Snellings, from ESPN, as well as the undefeated. And Professor Driz, that's where you can find him on Twitter. Always great with his NBA knowledge. Hey, I'd like to remind you that on Tuesday, the 15th of June, I will be on Sirius XM NBA radio as I lead into a really important game for the Nets. A really important game for the Bucks. I'll be on between 6 and 7.30 p.m. Central Time on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Sirius 207, XM 86, and the Sirius XM app. If you have the opportunity, check me out. I will lead you into that game on Sirius XM NBA Radio. So if you like this podcast, if you have Sirius XM, check in with me. I'll take your phone calls, and we'll get ready for a big matchup on Tuesday with the Nets as well as their opportunity to go up 3-2 in the series against Milwaukee, or vice versa, we'll find out. So I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for checking out the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. We are brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Hey, and don't forget to catch me on Captain J. Hood, mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and also on the ESPN Chicago app. Saying what's up to all you guys listening on the J Hood Podcast feed. Thanks so much for spending time with me. Also, for those of you on Spotify, thanks so much for downloading the podcast as always. Wherever you get this podcast, thanks so much for spending time with me. Don't forget, Tuesday I'll be on 6 to 7.30 p.m. Central Time. And, of course, you can always catch more of our basketball content right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.